Yo, I put it like wow. This that sound. These oaks don't work hard like me. I hope they know by now. Bail, bail. Stand my ground. Throw these money trees go overseas like Percy Tow. I make sure you stay around. Quiet when I'm under loud. No negatives allowed. Me positivity took a vow. I always play to win. Don't anticipate loss. Mind always in the clown, my boy. Never think about the drop. Never ever ever think about the drop. Welcome to it, sports fans. It is the MKT show. I am MKT. Um, we're back on the pod here. Back on the pod in. Uh, Paris. Oaks are saying uh, it's Paris and, and whatever, but Oaks, I'm still a South African Oak, you know what I mean? Four-time world champion, if you know what I'm saying. If you get me, if you feel me, brother. If you feel me, mate. Chom. That's what I'm telling Oaks uh, in Paris here. Um, I'm in the 15th district. Doesn't really mean anything unless you, you, know, you, you know people here and you know Paris. But anyway, that's where I'm living. Been here for a week. What a time to be alive. Paris, Springboks, it's huge. Uh, what are we talking about today? I'll tell you where I was right, where I was wrong. Um, getting a lot of feedback here. Oaks are saying, have you given up on podcasting? I'm like, Oaks, it's been a week. In fairness, I, th- I think it might be like a week and a half. But um, yeah, Paris, shambles, visa, shambles. But I'm here and I was there for the semi-final. So uh, where I was right, where I was wrong, we'll take, talk about Chelsea losing um, to Brentford. I mean, what a shambles that was. Complete and utter shambles. Uh, man, oh man. You know, anyway, talk about Man United losing to Man City as well. Um, we'll wrap it up there. And I've, I've got a mailbag, but I'll basically just summarize it. Um, it was a nice message, but it wasn't, um, you know, it's something that's going to need to be summarized, basically, instead of me reading the whole message. Uh, in and around the spring box. So we'll finish off on a, on a mailbag uh, if we've got time. Listen, settle in. This might be a long one. It's been it's been a while. So going to get into three topics, going to get into a little bit of World Cup talk, catch you up on uh, how Paris has been treating me. I'm going to travel this week, so I'll, I'll get into that a little bit. See where I'm going after this. Obviously, world champion. Um, you know, saw my younger cousin today on social media. He said, uh, as South Africans, we got to... Stop saying, how's it, bro? How's it, you know, brother? How are you, mate? Hey, chom, how are you doing? We've got to say, hey, champ, how's your day going? Like, as a South African, I fully expect to be addressed as champ moving forward. Um, and even two-time champ, but that might be a bit long. Let's not be unreasonable, you know, is I'll take it. Hey, champ, bonjourno, as they say out here. You know, dako, something they say a lot out here uh, in Berry. In Paris, a bit of a vibe out here. Saturday was sensational. Um, absolutely incredible. I mean, l- let's get straight to it. Um, so, yeah, I had some visa issues. So, I missed the semi-final Argentina and New Zealand. Uh, it's all right. We, we ironed those out. Nobody likes a whinger. Um, sold my ticket. Managed to sell it. Um, and then I made the semi-final. And I had incredible seats. I was four rows back. It was incredible. And people think... Oh, but four rows, that's not great. You want to sit in the middle. Not really at these stadiums, you know, uh, Stade de France. You actually want to sit at the front because the seats are, are quite elevated. So, I mean, I could hear the English bench and all their instructions. It was it was phenomenal. Uh, so that was the semi-final. And I had just English oaks around me. And as you know, at one point, uh, we did what we did. Absolutely sensational. 
that was sensational. You know, uh, just can't really describe what it was like to see their tears after they were giving me gears the whole game. If you didn't watch the England game, that's on you. Um, let's fast forward to the final. Obviously, we beat France. Um, and maybe a bit of context being here on the ground. I don't know what it's been like around the world. But the French people are so angry and they hate South Africa. Like, they hate us now. Like, genuinely. I mean, so the bitterness was incredible. I'll tell you my own story. But I met up with a friend who lives in France. And he told me he was at the swanky golf course where he was playing. Um, and he played with a French guy. And this was obviously after the quarterfinal. And for those who don't know, obviously, South Africa winning by a point, um, beating France, knocking them out and killing all of their dreams and hopes um, about being relevant in rugby. Painful. I mean, it's, it's at home. It's, I, I, like, I get it. You know what I mean? It's like losing a fight in front of your girlfriend. Not ideal. You know, you'll recover, but she'll think a bit less of you. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like she won't tell you, but she'll think, oh. You know, the, her primal side will go, am I safe with this guy? How, how safe am I? Then she starts to, to, you know, doubt you and the relationship spirals from there. Kind of feel like that's what France have been feeling. Anywho, this guy went on a golf course and he was playing. Swanky golf course, he says. I mean, it's creme de la creme. Um, he, he was there for business meetings. And so they met on the first hole. And then on the second hole, the French guy said, I actually can't do this. I can't play on the golf course with you because you're a South African. So the, the, the South African guy I'm talking about lives in France, so he speaks French. But because this guy was South African, after France had lost to South Africa, the guy had to walk off the golf course. They were playing in a four ball. Literally, everything was cool on the first hole. Second hole, the guy said, no, sorry, can't do it. I'm out of here. How incredible is that? But that is the theme <clears throat> and has been since they lost to us. So I've only felt it for one week. It's been around for three weeks. They are not over it here. Like, they are not over it whatsoever. Right, flash forward to me now. It's, um, so semi-final on the Tuesday of the semi. So, uh, yeah, on the Tuesday of the, of the final week, sorry. Uh, after the semi-final, which was on Saturday. On the Tuesday... I met up with somebody here and I had a ticket for the final, by the way. So I didn't end up going to the final myself. I had a ticket though <clears throat> until the Wednesday because there was supposed to be an English panel expert who got tickets themselves and decided they're going to go to the game. And through connections, I was sitting in front of the producer of France 24 and we were chatting and in jest he sort of suggested oh flip you would be perfect you know and he explained the story to me he's like oh you'd be perfect for France 24's English media coverage and I said bro don't phone anyone else I'm gonna do it I'm gonna be the panelist on the show and he said yeah but you're gonna have to miss the rugby world cup final and I was like who cares I can go to, I'm going to more rugby World Cup finals. The Springboks are going to be in a lot of World Cup finals while I'm alive. I'm 37. I'll probably see another six or seven rugby World Cup finals just in my time with the Springboks. We're incredible. We're a rugby factory. Anywho, was a bit of a thing. He felt bad. I was like, do not phone anyone else. I'm doing it. 
So it ended up being the voice of France 24, which was the French feed to Europe, largely and to some to America and to Africa. So it's been incredible to get that feedback um, in terms of my appearance there. Don't worry about it. If you haven't seen it, no worries. I've got your back. I'm going to put um, a link in the description. So look out for the link in the description. Click the link. You can watch me. Yes, my suit is Italian and of course it's tailored. And so was the shirt, by the way. I've said this before. If you're going to wear a suit, it's got to be tailored. If your suit's not tailored, it's not a suit. It's just clothes. So when you see the suit, no need to tell me I look sharp. I know I did because it was proper. It was Italian. I've had it measured and I'm in great shape. All of those things mean meant I looked incredible. Obviously, I looked incredible. It's Italian. You know what I mean? And tailored. So incredible. A, a, a dream come true. And then the spring box deliver, you know. So that night was just for me as a South African and in terms of my career, wanting to work in international media was, I, I was numb the whole night, actually. I just, you know, it, it was just incredible. So it, it was overwhelming and it was amazing. So France 24 and the feedback's just been sensational. I've had phone calls from people and DMs from people who I never thought I'd speak to. So let's see, maybe, maybe it cracks the door open, you know, cracks the door open. Uh, been a cool month, you know, been a cool two months. Did some La Liga work, been doing some Premier League work. So, you know, we getting out there. Your boy's getting out there. Your boy's getting out there. Uh, but this this will never go away, just so people know. Like this, whether this becomes a five-day, um, five days a week thing, or it stays as two days a week, this will never go away. Do not be concerned. The podcast will never go away. Um, I love doing this too much. So no worries. It, it, no need to raise the alarm. No need to warn the villagers about the MKT show stopping. This will never go away. I just love doing this too much, regardless of what I do. So so there's that. France 24, you can watch it on YouTube. Um, and I'll, I will leave the link in the description. Okay, let's get into the show. Um, the, the Springboks have won their fourth rugby World Cup. All right. And we're the greatest rugby nation in the world. I don't want to hear anything from anyone, you know, the amount of New Zealanders. And if you haven't seen on TikTok, um, go and check out on TikTok, MKT Inspires. Um, I, I had video number one. After the semi-final, I walked outside. I said, we're the greatest rugby nation in the world when we beat England. All right? I had all sorts of, you know, guys saying New Zealand are this. And what about win percentages and win ratios? I said, bro, I'm a rugby fan, not a mathematician. And I'm not a philosopher. I don't get into those things. I just count the William Webelis trophies. All I know is we got four. And rugby's unique. It's not like football where the club stuff's the big stuff, right? It's like cricket. Cricket and rugby, nobody cares what else you do. Like, no one cares if you win T20 tournaments. No one cares. How many World Cups do you have? That's how we measure you. Like, England have, obviously, the... the you got to win the real World Cup, Right? And that's what they've won. Australia are the kings because they've won the real 50-over World Cup. That's the one that matters. In rugby, it's just about the William Webb Ellis. Guys are now saying the rugby championship. You haven't won rugby. Who cares? What are we talking about? Like, the, the rugby championship and Six Nations, in reality, are like the girlfriend stage. But if you want a wife, if you're a serious dude, you win the World Cup. That's your wife. You wife it up, put her on, on social media, you know? You don't put your girlfriend really on social media. Like, un unless you've like been, been together for like five years. 
But you know, your girlfriend could change as well. Like if you once she's your wife, the William Webelis, that's forever. You know. In fact, I would say the William Webelis is like wife with two kids. Even if you get divorced, like we are now in each other's lives forever. It's the real deal, the real Makoya. So we got four now. And the bitterness and hatred has been incredible. Incredible. My favorite storyline about the Springboks has been that we don't deserve it. You know, because the French say, oh my goodness, you, you cheated us. It was one point. You guys play ugly rugby. Okay, cool. Then we moved on. England, same story. We don't deserve it. We won scrum penalties. Uh, and then I say, well, we played a team that can scrum. Zero scrum penalties in the final. Weird. That's weird. So when you play a proper rugby team, no penalties. Interesting. So we don't deserve it. We're in the results business, guys. The Springboks are not in the politicking and the we, we're in the results. We, we're in a very simple industry. The Springboks are in a very simple industry. That industry is called winning. It's called winning Bob Ellis's. The William Webb Ellis Trophy. That's where the Springboks operate. You know, it's very difficult to be great in life at more than one thing. Our objectives, Ireland's objectives, France's objectives are not the same. The All Blacks in South Africa stand alone in saying this. Our goal is to score more points than you in 80 minutes. That's it. That is our objective. That is the All Blacks objective. Hence the All Blacks being the second greatest rugby nation of all time. Because they're about that action. They, 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 they like rugby championships, that's nice. Flashy stuff, that's nice. But they're about the William, William Webellas. Now, there is a difference between three and four. I want to be very, very clear. We are, right? We are the gold standard. South Africa is the gold standard on the rugby field. I don't want to hear it. I don't need to hear it. It is what it is. Undisputed. We all understand it now. As the great Jose Mourinho said, only losers explain. So to Ireland and France and now New Zealand. And I saw Richie McCaw even saying there was a missed call. And now we've got Richie McCaw crying about the ref. I mean, pot, meat, kettle. I love Richie McCaw. I think he's the greatest rugby player of all time. But come, <laughs> Richie. Come on, buddy. Come on, pal. You know? Come on, Richie. Don't be that guy. 07, we know the French, Wayne Barnes cheated you. So maybe he's, maybe he's having a go at Wayne Barnes. But we remember uh, France beating them in 2007. That was a cheat job, a proper cheat job. The All Blacks got properly job there. How do you have 60% possession and one penalty the whole game? Anywho, so maybe Richard McCaw has a personal gripe with Wayne Barnes. But come on, guy. We don't deserve it. Listen, you get the life you deserve, guys. My mother used to say to me, a society gets the government it deserves. And I've taken that on to say, quite frankly, if you're middle class in life and above and you, you have all the, the base resources, you get the life you deserve. Four trophies, guys. Four. Four William Webb Ellis's. No, man. I'm sorry, guys. At two, maybe you had us and we're lucky and we're... Four. Four is undisputed, guys. Four is a different level. So the Springboks are on another level. It was incredible to witness it. 
um, and to get to report on it and, and be here on the ground. Um, I actually went to the stadium after studio and it was just absolutely electric. I haven't done this in a long time. I got home at six in the morning. 6 a.m. on Sunday. Incredible scenes. Incredible scenes. I've ticked off another goal while I was here. Musée d'Orsay. Right? Incredible. You know, man of culture. I went to the, um, you know, going to go to a couple more museums. So, I, I'm a man of culture. I'm, I'm a man of culture. It, but before you start wondering, oh, oh, I didn't know he was a man of culture. I am. I am. Springboks. Incredible. Four times. The bitterness. And I'm looking forward to the hate. Shout out to Sia Colisi, by the way, in a time where I think it's not cool to be positive, you know? Like, it's not cool on social media to be positive. You know, everyone hates the establishment. Like, it's just cool to have a dude be a leader, you know? And, and I, I'm not going to lie. I, like, as a rugby player, I've never been Sia's biggest fan. But when you look at the whole package and what he represents in terms of uniting South Africa um, and uniting the rugby team, it's kind of like John Smith, right? John Smith was never really the best hooker. But there's just something about him. And you don't need to be the best. By the way, it's what I love about Rassi is you don't need to pick the best players. You need to pick the best team. And Sia, for whatever reason, whatever he's got, whatever his makeup is, he brings the best out of the spring box. Time and time again. Shout out to Sia. Because he joins a short list. It was just Richie McCaw. It's now Richie McCaw and Sia Colisi. Sia Colossi. Mate. Two captains. To lift the William Webb Ellis. Two times in a row. Historic. Iconic. Stopped load. I mean, uh, if you're not South African, you don't know what load shedding is. But it stopped load shedding for two weeks. Guys. This, is, this is what we're talking about. I don't know what else the Springboks can do in terms of stopping load shedding. I think load shedding is back. I think it started the, like the next day after the World Cup final. So maybe the coal wasn't wet. I don't really know what the story is. Sia Colossi, Springboks. You guys are legends. The greatest rugby nation in the world. I don't want to hear explanations. I don't want to hear win ratios. We're not mathematicians here. I'm not an actuary, mate. I'm not a philosopher. I'm a rugby fan. I can count to four. You know what I mean? I'm a knuckle. As South Africans, we, we've never claimed to be intelligent people. We can count to four. One, two, three, four times. Saw a great question in one of the group chats with the lads. When South Africa gets to five in 2027, do we get a gold star? Do we get to keep the trophy like you do in football? What's the rules? Hit me up on the socials. MKT inspires. MKT inspires. By the way, I need the hate for the next four years. So please, if you're English, if you're French, if you're Irish, please, we need the hate. Please hate me personally for being the greatest nation in rugby, right? And being a fan of the greatest nation in rugby history. Please, if, if you're struggling to process, use me as an outlet. MKT inspires. Slide in the DMs. Uh, I want you to be vile on social media, um, talk about how we don't deserve it. I, I want more of it. I, I, you know, it's, it's pretty hectic here in Paris, but I want more. I, I, want, to, I want you to hate us. You've you got four years, though. Try and spread it out. Don't, don't blow your load. 
Don't blow your load in, a, in, in three months. Don't do too much. Spread it out. Get a calendar out. What I'd do is I'd get a calendar to 2027 and see how you can spread your hate out just so that all of the, the bile and vinegar in you, you want that fuel to last until sort of mid-2026, I would say, going into 2027. And maybe sort of January 2027. And then you can sort of build up your your false hope that you'll have before the spring box win in 2027 and make it three in a row. That's what I'm requesting of the world. Keep that hate for us and keep that energy, as they say, in America. Um, just a quick one. If you've listened to the podcast for a while, I've always said I have no respect for Northern Hemisphere rugby in the sense that, yes, the French can play champagne and Ireland can have 18 good months and England, you know, they can have a, a dogged approach or whatever they want to call it the British bulldog mentality. But I've always said this, always. If, if, you, if you've known me since I was young, I've always said, you know, some people do things and some people, it's your thing. Up north, it's not your thing, guys. Economy is your thing. I'm in Paris. It's beautiful. I can walk around it. I mean, I've walked home at midnight. So building safe societies, building, you know, architecture, philosophy, culture, Musée d'Orsay, museums. Oh, are you kidding me? In France, Paris, what a city. Beautiful. Arc de Triomphe. Oh, my goodness. That's your thing. Aesthetics. The metro in Paris, probably the greatest metro system in the world. That's your thing. Rugby's our thing. Down south, we them boys. We them boys. South Africa, New Zealand, we run this thing. Don't feel too bad, guys. Ireland, don't feel too bad. Ireland, you lost to the second greatest rugby nation of all time. You didn't lose to buffoons. France, England, don't feel too bad. You lost to the greatest nation in the world. But here's my thing, and I think France and Ireland must learn from this. If you're going to talk like this, you'd better deliver. That's, that's my only thing. You can't talk like you're New Zealand or you're South Africa. And, and those are two different things, obviously. New Zealand second, South Africa first. But don't talk like you damn boys. And then when it's time, it's the referee's fault. It's everyone else's fault. There's, come on, guys. If you damn boys, you damn boys. So here's my message to Ireland and France who flopped. Guys, in every situation, right, there's a guy and there's the guy. I'm sure you know that. In South Africa, we say, so particularly if Unkosa, if, we say, he's that guy. Jacques Nienhaber, Rassi Rasmus, Sia Colisi, they are that guy. The rest of you are a guy. Graham Henry was Sir Graham Henry, Steve Hansen, that guy. Daniel Carter, that guy. Richie McCaw, that guy. Aaron Smith, that guy. Antoine Dupont, a guy. Just a guy who, who played rugby. Doucetois, a guy who played rugby. Chabal, a guy. Just a guy. You're just another one. You're just a footnote in the, in the, in the annals of history. 
Juan Smith, that guy. Lucanio Arm, that guy. Damien Willemser, 25, got two William Webb Ellis's. Talk to me. Because he's that guy. So you can be a guy. There are many of those guys. Owen Farrell, just a guy. Just a fake tough guy. Owen Farrell's a fake tough guy. Just a guy. Joe Marler, a guy. Oxen Chair, that guy. You know I know he's got a William Webb Ellis for the fourth time. So if you're Irish, if you're English, if you're French, just know you are a guy. You know, and listen, it adds it adds rich tapestry to the story of rugby. Not everyone's Daniel Day Lewis, guys. Not everyone's Denzel. We can't all be Dame Judy Dench. You know what I mean? We can't all be Forrest Whitaker. That's not how movies work. Right? At the Academy Awards, what do they hand out? Right? Leading actor? Supporting actor? And then you get all those other ones that I don't even know the categories. Yeah, that's DuPont. That's Doucetois. That's Owen Farrell. You know? That's Johnny Sexton. Just guys who come and go. Maybe they're on the show for a season. They were Game of Thrones. One season you thought they were the hero. And then there's a red wedding. And then you disappear because Fafty Clacks actually... You know, in all 10 seasons. You feel me? There's a guy and there's that guy. France, Ireland, England. Just a bunch of guys. Springboks. Those guys. All blacks. Those guys. Obviously different tiers. I I, I do need to keep repeating that. All blacks are a certain type of that guy. And then the green and cold four times. I don't want to gild the lily. Island France flopped. If you're going to talk like that, guys, be about that talk then. I don't want to hear about the ref ever again. When we we played sport, like I told you, I played academy football. People know this. When we played rugby, what did our coaches tell us? Guys, take the ref out of it. If you play cricket, what do they say? Take the umpire out of it. Make your runs. Don't shoulder up. Right? If it's going to pitch online, don't, don't give the umpire a decision to make. Play with your bat. Defend with your bat, they'll tell you. If you play cricket. If you don't, rugby, football, the higher the level you go to, the ref, the, your coaches will always tell you, gents, I don't want to hear it. Take the ref out of it. Take the ref out of it. Springboks, 1.3 times. Those guys. I want to wrap up on Ninaba's legacy. Because um, he'll obviously go to Ireland now. Uh, we, we wait with bated breath. To see what Rassi's plan is. Um, let's hope Rassi still has it in him. For another six years. Six to eight years. To stay with us as a director of rugby. Uh, greatness. Uh, Ninaba's legacy. You know. It's important sometimes in life. And what I've loved about Ninaba. I, I want to be honest. I was completely negative about the regime when they came in. I thought we would go back. To a darker day in South African rugby but what i've loved about rassi and i i i met i met an incredible person uh, last night and we, we were kind of having a conversation and it led to this and she was very similar in terms of like let's just do the ugly stuff early tell me tell me everything early that's ugly so what i loved about rassi 
you know, and and it is important, you, you know, I think to address it in the South African context. Like, the transformation thing's real, right? But what Rassi didn't do is what most South Africans who are in a privileged position do, is guys get defensive about it and they don't want to address it and they want to try and circumvent. All right. Rassi addressed it early. He said, no, no, the transformation has to happen. But now, Oaks, when you're in the spring box, this is not Bafana Bafana, this is not the Proteus. There's a standard here. Guys, we here we win web uh, web Ellis's. We don't we don't we're not playing just for money here. We're playing for a different reason. So he brought everyone in and he sort of made it mandatory at um and I was really fortunate enough to be close to people who who understand Rassi's um output. He he sort of addressed it and said, Look, guys, this is what we have to do. And then he told the black players, um, gents, you you're a springbok here. There's no black, white, there's spring box here. And that comes with a level of responsibility. And, and, then, and then it's not an issue. Then you're producing Mbonambi and, you know, Lukanyo Am and Siakolisi and, I mean, uh, Oxenche and, you know, Unyagane. It's like, we're not really having a conversation about it. I can't remember the last time it even came up. Damien Willems, uh, like these Oaks are just in the team now. You know, because he's building, it's like, okay, we got to do that ugly part. You know, if you're a bit crazy, t- tell the girl early. Tell her early. Tell her my, my dad's an alcoholic. I come from an abusive home. Blah, blah, blah. Tell her early. Um, this person last night had a tremendous turn. Put it on the table. You know, put it on the table. Let's put it on the table. And Rassi did. And Ninaba did. But when Ninaba's been exceptional, was he never allowed his ego to get in the way. Even when most South Africans, including myself, said Rassi is the actual coach. I've never heard Ninaba address that. Right? And he's just played his role. Where there's number one or two, I think we saw the other night, there's a tremendous photo where everyone listens to Rassi in the end. But this is a man who suppressed his ego. And trust me, at that level, when you're that accomplished, after the first William Webb in 2019, he would have been well within his rights to have a word and start getting, uh, just for uh, Tom Curry's sake, Vintgat. Vintgat. It would have been okay for Ninaba to be like that. He never has been. Whether he's that kind of person or not, he has been nothing short of presidential as a representative for South Africa and Springbok rugby. Jacques Ninaba's not a guy. Jacques Ninaba's that guy. And wherever Jacques Ninaba goes, I don't speak on behalf of South Africans. I'm speaking for me. Wherever Ninaba goes, if Oaks are fighting with Ninaba, if he has kids, by the way, if he has a wife, his wife has a family, Jacques Ninaba's family, we, Ninaba, we're going to fight for your kids. No one's touching his kids, his family. He's our guy. As South Africans, I don't want to speak for you. I'm speaking for myself. I'm saying if I ever hear anything's happened to Ninaba's kids, I've got a problem with it. Ninaba's wife, Ninaba's family, He's our guy. That's a guy who put, he put South Africa in front of himself. It's very rare, guys. It's very rare what you just witnessed. It's very, very rare. You just witnessed six years of somebody giving the great Floyd Mayweather said the reason that he separated himself from everybody in boxing, you've just seen it with Ninaba, is that he gave himself to the Springbok badge. People always talk about, oh, I'm about it, bro. I'm hustling, dog. But people don't give themselves to their art form, whatever it may be. If you're an actual scientist, it, it, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. 
Jacques Nienaber gave himself to rugby, first and foremost. But he gave himself. He gave everything. He bent his knee to the Springbok badge. And if you can't overlook whatever biases you've got and say this man is a hero, I, I, I don't know what to tell you, bro. I don't know what to tell you, my sister. Like, you'll never be happy. You, you, you're too cool for me. Because I know it's cool to hate authority now, to hate leadership now, to hate strong men now. I, I know that's so cool. It's so, so progressive to, oh, always find a chink in a leader's armor. From my perspective, and I speak only for myself, I'm, I'm not a politician. I don't speak for South Africans. I'm speaking for myself. Ninab is that guy. Whatever he's going to do, I hope he does it incredibly. I hope his family is healthy because he's given my nation and my people and me greatness. Where we come from, there's not very much that South Africa is world class about. We were the gold standard. But Jacques Nienaba bent his knee, gave himself to rugby, gave himself to the Springbok badge. And ultimately, I have to say this. I feel attached to the Springboks. Jacques Nienaber gave himself up for me. And I'm not a religious person, so please, I'm, I'm not inferring anything. I'm just telling you how, how I feel about this guy. Wherever he goes, I, I personally have his back. I don't care if he goes on to succeed or fail. I wish him nothing but the best. I wish Jacques Nienaber and his family pure health and happiness. I hope him and his family are healthy into eternity. He deserves to retire happy, blissful, knowing he could not have done more. It's something I want to do in my life, in my, in my field of work. When it's all said and done, I want to know I couldn't have done more. Jacques Nienaber could not have done more. Those are my thoughts on his legacy. He's a living legend. Very few people get to see their legend lived out while they're alive. He is a living legend. Nienaba. Shout out. Shout out, my guy. All right. Love to hear your thoughts. MKT Inspires. Wherever you are in the world, did you watch the World Cup rugby? Uh, where were you? How was it? Are you non-South African and perhaps have a South African partner? Have you been to South Africa and you feel a South African connection, perhaps? Because uh, it's a great country. Uh, we are very warm in South Africa. So perhaps you've just traveled there and, and you're non-South African and you feel committed. And, and by the way, the All Blacks are, are a worthy adversary. You got to say that. Like that's who we want to play. Fourteen men, and they, they, they were they they had us on skates. They had us on skates, and I, I'll finish off with my story. Uh, while I was watching, because I was watching at the France Twenty Four Studio, uh, there was a gentleman who's French who wanted New Zealand to win, and he let it slip out that it was because of what we did to them. So I saw how bitter guys were. Ninaba, Sia Kolisi, and the Mandems said, no, not today, guys. Two in a row. Two in a row. Absolutely love it. MKT inspires. Slide in the DMs your thoughts, uh, your feelings. I'd love to hear. If you, if you are a Springbok fan, I'd love to hear. If you're an all-black fan, I'd love to hear. If you're just a rugby fan, how was this World Cup for you? Uh, slide in the DMs. MKT inspires. Otherwise, MKT at the MKT Show. 
That's Mike Kilo Tango, MKT at the MKT Show. That is the electronic mail if you're a bully, if you're old, if you're one of the olds. All right, let's get into the show. Um, there's still football, of course, that happens. But um, every Monday or every one of these shows, I will um, tell you where I was right, where I was wrong. Because, listen, I'll make calls, right? I'll, um, I'll put it on the table. I, I want to tell you about a quick story. I met a South African on Saturday who, who's living in, uh, I'm not going to say his name, but he's living in um, Belfast. So Northern Ireland, that's the one that's in Britain. For those of you who didn't listen in geography or um, aren't cultured, you know, like me. Obviously, I'm cultured. I'm going to museums in Paris. Well, what are we talking about? Wearing an Italian suit. If you, if you haven't seen me on France 24, the official feed um, for the post-game show for the World Cup rugby, no big deal. If you want to see me in an Italian uh, tailored suit, pink shirt. The shirt's tailored as well, by the way. Obviously, I'm tailoring my shirt. Click the link in the description. I'll put it there. France 24. Uh, no big deal. I mean, man of culture. Anyway, so this guy, we met at, um, I think it was called O'Sullivan's on Saturday night. Obviously, Springboks won their fourth. Uh, William Webelis. I, I can, I, you can't say it enough times. Greatest rugby nation of all time. Um, so he's about to go home. I bump into him and his brother as I walk in. And uh, we had our Sullivan's now and we're having a good time. So I, I don't really want to get into the details of, of, of too much, but he's a gem. This guy is absolutely fantastic. We, we sort of, you know, four times, we, we start talking about how the Springboks deserve everything they get in terms of four uh, William Webelis trophies. Obviously, we can hear each other in a loud club and it's articulate conversation at... Um, so I don't drink, but he, he was, him and his brother were uh, having a good one. They were on. But he was the perfect vibe guy from Cape Town, right? But he introduced me to a term, and I love sport analogies in real life. And he said, listen, just when you're socializing in, uh, in these conditions in Europe, he said, Bru, you've got you've to look to score runs. You use the power play. You can't score runs by defending. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow you to sort of apply that analogy how you would if you're a cricket fan. But I loved it. And he said, listen, you, it's killer miller time, right? You've got to look to score runs. Don't leave on length. Use the power play. And he said, Brew, you've got to use the new ball. You're not using the new ball. Let me just say, I've been here for a week. I socialized quite hard in the first week. And, you know, I've had a good time. And then I, I was resting on my laurels. And I really enjoyed this guy's vibe of, Brew, you're not looking to score runs. And he said, you've got to... You've got to use the power play. You're not going to score runs by defending. So I just thought I'd share that analogy. And I'd imagine South Africans and, and people around the world are very creative. Uh, if you like cricket, I, I think you'll understand it. But I urge everyone in life, this must be your approach. You've got to look to score runs. Don't defend in the power play. Whatever you're doing, right? It's killer miller time, he said. You've got to look to score runs. Don't leave... And also, listen, don't be afraid to have a go at a wide one. Don't be scared to nick off. Have a go. You're in the power playovers. Whatever you're doing, have a full go, right? And if you nick off, so what, you know? You've got, you know, you've got the next game. But I loved it. So use the power play. And he said, use the new ball, bro. Like, even if it's swinging around, get bat on ball. Get aggressive. 
So I love that. I love that. And it's, uh, it is a little anecdotal, but I just had to share it because it's been one of my favorite moments of what's been an incredible, incredible week and a bit in Paris so far. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brew, he said to me, Brew, you're not looking to score runs. You've got to get on the front foot and use the new ball. So thought it was fantastic. Okay, as I do every single um, Monday show, is I tell you where I was right, where I was wrong. I make big calls, and then uh, you know because I'm I'm the, I'm certainly the best person I know. I'm willing, unlike most uh, savages out here, to tell you where I was right, where I was wrong. Uh, this is it. Uh, MKT right mkt wrong let's get into it where i was right the box and new zealand were the final and i said the box would win that was my call months ago i said exactly how it would go um and i did say the spring box would win i was dead right the fourth trophy they become the greatest rugby nation in the world i don't want to dispute it i'm not a philosopher i'm not a mathematician i don't know about win ratios between i don't care about rugby championships six, na- six nations how you play between the tournament um, this is big school it's all about the bo- the, the bill ellis uh, the Springboks have won the rugby world cup and i called it where i was wrong um look ireland and france i thought they'd be more humble I thought losing to two iconic nations would make them humble. I was very, very wrong. I predicted that they would take it like gentlemen. Uh, they did not. I was absolutely wrong. Ireland and France, they flopped and they're not owning it. It's, it's everyone else's fault. I was wrong there. I thought they would have um, the sort of gentlemanly nature that we expect in rugby. They didn't. Ireland, France, flops. Hysterical. Uh, they ain't it. They ain't it. Um, in every single sense. Where I was right, Manchester United are not making the top five. Um, they lost to Man City. We'll talk about it a bit later. But they are terrible. They are absolutely... They're worse now. Eric Ten Hag's team is getting worse. That should worry everyone. Talk more about that. But I did say they are not making top five this year. Um, and I told you that. Where I was wrong, my very own Chelsea, I was wrong. They are not making the top four. Forget it. I watched that game and they were no good on the weekend. We'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. They lost to Brentford 2-0. Um, I was wrong. Chelsea not making top four. Forget it. Not playing like that. And I do have my reasons for believing that. We'll talk about it in a little bit. I was wrong. Chelsea not top four. Forget that. Um, obviously, top five will get you Champions League. But Chelsea, forget it. Uh, where I was right, Pollard's better than Marnie Leibok. He's a grown-up. He calms everyone down. I was at the semi-final. Leibok was pulled off after 33 minutes. I'll address it in the mailbag. Um, Pollard's the greatest fly half South Africa's ever had. Uh, I don't want to hear Henry Honeyball. I don't want to hear anything. I don't, I don't want to hear anyone. Pollard is the greatest fly half South Africa's ever had. He's the complete package. Um, he can play make. Uh, he's a grown up. He plays territorial rugby. He can he can kick out of hand. He can uh, he settles the team. And you, you know what having him does is that it calms everybody down because even if you make mistakes, don't worry about it. You, you know what he's like. He's lip, he's lipstick on a pig. He's makeup. Uh, for people like me who are mediocre looking. He, he'll fix all the problems. He'll cover up all the problems. Don't worry about it. The greatest South Africa's ever produced in the number 10 jumper. Pollard's better than Leibok at international level. Forget it. I don't want to hear any more about it. Where I was wrong, I said Damien Valimsa wasn't a fullback that should be playing in a World Cup in serious matches. I was very wrong. He had an incredible, incredible... Listen, he made one or two mistakes, but so does Vili. So did Christian Cullen. Uh, so did Ben Smith. You know, in rugby, you make mistakes. 
but he played like a grown-up. Cometh the hour, cometh the man. I have to say, I, if you remember on previous podcasts, I said Willems is not that guy. Well, how wrong I was. He was responsible under the high ball. He played when he had to play, but he kicked incredibly from the back. And I just thought he was sublime. He grew in this tournament. He grew on me. And it's not just because we won. I look at the performances. Damien Willemser has been stellar. Fullback is an incredibly difficult position in European conditions. It's been raining and these fly halves are getting better at up and unders and putting pressure on. Damien Willemser has been incredible. Damien Willemser, to you sir, already two William Webb Ellis trophies at the age of 25. I was wrong. What a player we've got for the future there. And he's not even in his prime. Incredible. Damien Willemser, I was wrong. Where I was right... Newcastle should have fired Eddie Howe as soon as he got them in the Champions League. Pellegrini won a title and they still fired him because it was time to move to Pep. Guys, listen, there are people who should be your hookup in high school, who should be your girlfriend in university, and then there are people who should be your wife. Those people may, on the rare occasion, be the same thing, but it's very rare to have your high school sweetheart, right? But your wife is unique. That's the one that's forever. That's the one that's for the big time. You're going to introduce her to your mother, to your family. That's got to be the one. Eddie Howe is a girlfriend that you're taking out just for your ego as a, as a, as a teenager, as an 18-year-old. It's foundation stuff. While, you, while you're learning how to treat a lady. But when we get to big school now and we start asking about marriage and family, <laughs> come on now. Eddie Howe's not the guy. Should have fired him. Move on. I, I would have chased Joachim Love. I would have chased the next level. Right? The evolution now is, okay, you're in the top four. Now you establish yourself in the top four. Eddie Howe's not that guy. Losing to Dortmund at home. I mean, come on. Listen, people, people hate me for that one. I've, I know Newcastle fans do not like that, but Eddie Howe should have gone. What are we doing? He might cost them top four this year. Then what? I was right. Eddie Howe should have gone. Terrible result against um, Dortmund. Where I was wrong, Liverpool are better than ever. I mean, Jürgen's got them humming. I thought they'd take a season to at least fit McAllister in and a boss like, nope. Nope, nope, nope. And you know who's a handful. And, you know, thoughts and prayers to my man. Uh, his parents just got kidnapped. Diaz is something special. He's gone to another level. Now they've got Mo Salah and Diaz. And Jota off the bench, by the way. They're better now, I think, than the Sadio Mane days. That's disgusting if you're not a Liverpool fan. It's incredible if you're a Liverpool fan. Absolutely incredible. Uh, wow. Uh, unglaublich. As Jürgen might say, absolutely unbelievable. Liverpool are better than ever. I was wrong this season. They will be in the mix for the title. Not just the top four. They will be in the mix for the title. Asterix, how long is Andy Robertson out for? How long is he out for? Because he's crucial. He is, I mean, he's like, he's a poor man's Ashley Cole. He locks down that left side and he's been terrific for them. And he's a real leader. I was wrong. Where I was right, Son, Son Heung-min is... Bloody hell. That guy is proper. I've said he's world-class for years. It, 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 it annoyed me how much Spurs made him do defensive work when they had Harry Kane. They should have found a way to, to get him to play closer to Harry Kane. I think they could have pushed for titles um, a little bit more if, if he wasn't being played like basically a wing-back. And because he's a professional, Son will drop. But now he's being allowed to play in the number 10 
and sometimes the false nine roll, you're seeing what it is. I've been saying it for years. If you know me, I've been saying it for a decade. What's this guy? Why isn't Son at Real Madrid? What doesn't he have in his locker? Work rate, technique, left foot, right foot. He can score bangers. He can score tap-ins. His, uh, his set pieces are incredible. His corner delivery is incredible. What doesn't Son have? And then the most important thing is he's a megastar with no ego. It's almost impossible to find. I was right. Son Heung-min, one of the greatest players the Premier League's ever seen. Absolutely love him. Abs- absolutely love it if you're a Spurs fan. Obviously, if you're not a Spurs fan, you know, it is what it is. But he's a magnificent player. He's a Premier League legend and still has two or three years in him. Absolutely love it. I was dead right on Son Heung-min. Where I was wrong, Newcastle are worse this year. They're not, they're, I thought, I, I predicted they'd win the title. Anyhow, I mean, crying in a bucket. Should have fired him. Why didn't they fire him? You've got the objective with him now. Like, if you want to get married to a girl and she says, I don't want to have kids. And you're like, well, I only get married because I presume I'm going to have a family. And that's the only reason I want marriage. Why are you marrying her? You can't be angry at her. You can't be angry at her for not wanting kids three years into the marriage. You can't be angry at Eddie Howe for not being able to take you to the promised land. He was never that guy. He was never that guy. I, I don't know why we're making out like Eddie Howe is going to win them a league title. He's not. Guys, there, there's some people, and it's, it's like Ian Foster got fired for New Zealand, right? There are some people that are just meant to be number twos and go and manage Bournemouth and Everton and be happy there. But at this level, you need Joachim Louvre. Like you need these guys that are used to dealing with, because here's the thing about Newcastle now. The next level of signing, you've seen Tonali, shout out to him uh, not being able to stop gambling. But you need guys that can handle that guy now. Eddie Howe's bloody getting starstruck by these guys. You need Jose Mourinho. I, I would have maybe even gone for Mourinho. Because even if Mourinho is not the same guy he was 15 years ago, what it tells you is where the next level of series. And even if Mourinho doesn't win, he attracts four or five players that are of that next ilk. You saw what happened at Mancini when Pellegrini came. Then it changed. Right, Mancini attracted the next level. Then Pellegrini the next level. And we know where we are now. Should have fired Eddie Howe. I was wrong. Newcastle won't win the title. That is where MKT was right. That is where MKT was wrong. Uh, and I'll, I'll do this every single Monday. And tell you where I was right. Where I was wrong. MKT inspires your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, let me know where you are in the world where you're listening, how you're listening. Remember, uh, if, you, if you've if you got two minutes at the water cooler this morning, this afternoon, this evening, wherever you are listening to this, give us a rating. You know what I mean? Be a gent. I'm a four-time world champion. Four times. As a South African, you should have the respect to go and subscribe. Wherever you listen, please do uh, leave us a rating. Obviously, a five-star rating. And then leave a comment as well. Oh, like, who's this guy? Why does he think he's a world champion? Because we've won the world, William Webelis four times. Who's this guy? Is, is he a white guy? Well, what's with his accent? Because didn't he say his name's Mbulelo Kaele Tutinta? Bro, is this like a white I've just found this podcast. If you want to just leave that, like, bro, are you what? What's happening? How do you talk to your family? Because your name's Gorza, you know? Ask these questions, but just leave it as a comment, you know? It's good for, as the Spanish would say, the algorithm. The algo read it. All right, let's uh, let's move on. We'll talk about Chelsea losing to Brentford. Um, so Chelsea lost 2-0 to Brentford. 
at home at Stamford Bridge. It's the third loss in a row to Brentford, which is uh, incredible. It's a new record, by the way. First time that Brentford have beaten a team three times in a row uh, or beaten Chelsea three times in a row in the Premier League. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. So here's Chelsea's record as things stand. Uh, played 10, won three, drawn three, lost four. They're on 12 points. Um, at home, Chelsea have played six, won one, drawn two, lost three. So they've only won one out of six. And they've got five points, which is the 13th best on the log. So they'd be 13th if they were just playing home games. The away games, Chelsea have played four, won two, drawn one, lost one, and it's seven points. And they are sixth away from home. Sixth best record away from home. Chelsea are better away from home than they are at home, which makes sense to me. I'll tell you why. I believe this about young people. Young people struggle with two things. So if you're a manager or a boss at work, you cannot expect young people that aren't seasoned to deal with instability and high expectations. They cannot. Young people, I don't, I don't care. I mean, every now and then you get a wunderkind in every part of the working world. But young people cannot. There are very few people that are young that can overcome instability, chaos. And then deal with extremely high expectations. Young people do not do well with that combination. Instability and high expectations for young people is a recipe for disaster. I want to take you through the Chelsea squad and their average age and their ages on Saturday. Uh, the goalkeeper Sanchez, he's 25. He's come from Brighton. Disasi is 25. He's come from Monaco. Colwell is 20. He's from the academy. Kukurea is 25. He's come from Brighton. Gallagher is 23. He's come from the academy. Caicedo is 21 from Brighton. Marueki is 21 from PSV. Palmer is 21 from Man City's academy. Jackson is 22 from Villarreal. That's nine of the starting 11, 25 being the oldest. The old guys are Raheem Sterling at 28, and then the geriatric, obviously legendary Thiago Silva. The subs that came on for Chelsea, 23, Reese James, who's the captain. Martin, 21, it's from the Chelsea Academy. Ugo Chuku, 19, from Rennes. And Washington is 18, a Wunderkind from Santos. The average age of Chelsea, that entire squad that came on, is 23. I want to I wanna put that in the mirror against Man City, who are humming. Edison's 30, Walker's 33, Diaz is 26, Stones is 29, Rodri's 27, Bernardo Silva's 29, Jack Grealish is 28, Kovacic is 29. Man City's average starting age on the weekend when they dismantled Manchester United is 29. There's a six-year average age gap between the two. Now, I don't want this to sound like excuses. There are no excuses at that level. If you're old enough, right, or if you're good enough, you're old enough. I don't want to hear it. But there's a difference between good and winning. Kids don't win anything. Don't listen to Man United fans. Anybody who tells you that they won with kids didn't watch it or only remembers. You know, they say if, um, if you have an option between the myth and the legend, 
or, or the myth and the truth, take the legend, or the legend and the truth, take the legend. The, Man United never won with kids. That Brian Robson, that Steve Bruce, that David May, that Gary Pallister, uh, that Eric Cantona, please don't believe that story. Nicky Butt and those guys were being rotated in. David Beckham was joining a core. The only one who started, really, was Ryan Giggs. Those kids came in and were integrated slowly in and around Brian Robson and, and the likes, and Peter Schmeichel and the likes. They had the mandem. Chelsea are all young. They've just got Thiago Silva. You win with men at this level. If you want to win, right? I'm not saying participate. You can be good with kids. I'm not saying kids can't be good. Chelsea plays some good stuff. But good isn't good enough. Not at this level. Not if you want to win. Not in the Premier League. And then take it into this. Chelsea is not just another club. The last 20 years, they are the most dominant football club in England. Five league titles, two Champions League titles, five FA Cups in the last 20 years. So there's tremendous expectation at Chelsea. But then there's incredible instability. New ownership has completely torn it apart. Listen, if you're good enough, you're old enough. We don't want that excuse. We want the high level. But I'm just telling you, young people need time. And they need stability. And, they, and you know what? They need those expectations to reach. But Chelsea are, in terms of average squad age, five, six years off it. They'll add to that. They'll add some experience. They'll ex- add more quality. They'll add more season, seasoned players. But you should be ex- excited as a Chelsea fan if they can stay patient enough to stick with the process. Listen, Chelsea tore it all down. They could see that Marina and Peter Cech screwed up. They tore it all down. It's year one of the project. It took Fergie four years to win. Klopp four, five years to win. It took Pep two years to win. Jose Mourinho told you himself, he's not arrogant. He's a special one. He won in year one. That doesn't happen. He, was, he, he is special. That was special. Okay, that, But in life, take, take the rule, not the exception. That was the exception. Mourinho was the exception. The rule is even Pep Guardiola took two years. Jurgen Klopp took five years. Fergie, the great Alex, Sir Alex Ferguson, took four years to win. So Chelsea, in my eyes, do not need to panic. Because you can see the signs of the talent. But at this level, talent's not enough. Everyone's talented. What you've got to do is organize that. And you've got to set high standards like Rassi Erasmus. And that takes time, by the way. Culture is repeated behavior. It's nothing else. D- don't stop listening to nonsense. All culture is, is repeated behavior. And not all these youngsters are going to work because the talent is never the issue. It's about can you get highly talented guys to display character and not make it about themselves. And Chelsea will find out a little bit about their signings over the next few years. They're young. And what's nice about Chelsea, again, if you're a fan, the squad will age at the same rate. We will talk about Man United in a little bit. But don't panic. Poch must get three years. And the, listen, you've got to be realistic. The aim of Poch is not to win. You know why? Because he's never won. But what Poch does do incredibly well, and he did it at Spurs, is he builds a culture. So what Poch should do, his role, he shouldn't be viewed as the final product. What he should be viewed is step one of the project, like Mark Hughes was for Man City. 
It should be a three-year rebuild. Because Man City, believe it or not, it's been an eight-year building. It was an eight-year building process until they got it uber right. What did they do? They started with Mark Hughes, who was the foundation. Then Mancini joined. Uh, Mancini joined because with Mark Hughes, they, they, they sort of wanted to bully everyone. But, but he attracted enough of those second-tier guys. Then they could see, okay, we're on the brink. Now Mancini, what he can do is take us from the brink. And now we join the top four elite. Now we're embedded in the top four. And then we win with Mancini. But that still wasn't enough. So now we're in the elite. Now we need to be elite. Manuel Pellegrini, that's the next level of manager. And then eight years into the project in 2016, Pep Guardiola, we're eight years into building it, by the way. Listen to that. With great ownership, it took eight years to get to Pep Guardiola. With great ownership. They are the best ownership possibly in the history of sport, I would argue, the Man City ownership. And it took them eight years to get to Pep Guardiola and perfection. And that was when it was just sort of United and Chelsea, right? Liverpool, they've just arrived on the scene. It's one title in 30 years. Liverpool fans must relax. But that's the truth. 30, I mean, one title in 30 years. But we're talking about eight years to get to perfection. Man, uh, Hughes first, Mancini second, Pellegrini next, and then you've got it right after eight years. They took over in 2008, in 2006, 16, they got to Pep Guardiola. That's what Chelsea have to establish now. The objective doesn't need to change. But the reality of building greatness, you've got to keep it real now. Roman Abramovich was an exception. He was not the rule. It will not be like that now. There's too many clever owners. There's too many rich people in the Premier League to just do it willy-nilly. It's, it, it's just the way it is. There's no need for Chelsea to panic. I thought the performance in the first half was fine. And then the naivety of youth. Jackson's young. He's, you know, I thought Alan Shearer hit the nail on the head. Is His movement's awful. He's not in the box. What's he doing on the edge of the box? If you're a number nine, your job, you see Erling Haaland. You, you remember Ruud van story? Just stick around. My coaches used to say the greatest number nines play between the poles. Right, you play on your your area is in between the penalty spot and the six yard area. That's where you see the great strikers are at all times. Anything falls there. It's it's not it's not a mystery why Thierry Henry, why Alan Shearer, why Didier Drogba, why Luis Suarez. These guys were in and around the center, the penalty spot and the six yard area, and you play between the posts. Jackson's everywhere. He's trying to do too much. It's a man without confidence. He, he wants to do too much. But that's the exuberance of youth. And the coaching will have to get him there. You see Harry Kane. Harry Kane doesn't do too much, guys. He stays between the poles. Guys, get it to me here. And then we're going to see what's going to happen. That, so if I'm Chelsea, I don't panic. And however it goes now. 10th, 6th, it, it actually doesn't matter. And you've got to, as a Chelsea fan, be willing to bite down on the gum guard and go, it's going to be ugly. Because you remember, Jürgen, it was 8th and then 7th. And then you remember Pep the first season, they came 3rd. It was ugly, bravo, this, that. Sir Alex Ferguson was about on the verge of getting fired, if you, remember, if you believe the stories, four years into it. 
Like it can't be scattergun all the time. What are you doing? And the mandate must be clear. We are building a culture. Culture is repeated behavior. One thing Potch will do is he'll be demanding. He'll expect high standards. And if you get that in the next three years implemented and, and you put it into the DNA of these young guys, by the time Cole Palmer's 24, he's full photo. That's the beauty of this Chelsea team as well. We'll get to Man United. Is They're going to age together the core. Because six or seven is all you need, right? In everything we do in life, you don't need everyone on board. You need most people on board. So let's just say five or six of these Chelsea uh, kids in the project don't work out. Cleverly, they've got them on 10-year deals, so they'll, they'll get some money back. But more importantly is you don't need everyone to work out. You just need most of them to work out. So let's say of all the signings, only six work out. Perfect. Because in society, in democracy, in government, in whatever it may be, uh, in your friendship circle, you don't need everyone on board. You need most people on board. Bite down on the gum guard as Chelsea fans. Calm down. Because I, I don't know how you thought it would go. It's unprecedented what Chelsea have done. But you've got to relax. Do you want to build something great? Or do you want to be Man United? Do you want to be Liverpool in 10 years' time still finding yourself? You don't, want, you don't want to be Liverpool of the noughties. You don't want to be Liverpool of the 2000s. You don't want to be Man United of the last decade. You don't want to be Arsenal of the last 20 years. Just hiring and firing managers. Because you know what that does? It turns off the greatest managers as well. Because they believe in a project. Turns off the greatest managers. They believe in a project. So, you've you got to stick with it, guys. You really do need to stick with it. If you're, if you're a Chelsea fan, it's important that they stick with it. Love to hear your thoughts. Should Chelsea fire the manager? Is, is firing the manager way to, the way to go? If you're a Chelsea fan, what are your thoughts on the performance? Um... Does he have the lineup right? Should he have played an attacking wing back? Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear what people have to say. What are your thoughts? Hit me up, MKT Inspires, MKT at the MKT Show. What are your thoughts? What do you think? In the words of a uh, what's old Russell, eh? Let me know your thoughts. I'd like to hear whether he should have done something about it. Uh, I want to hear what people have to say. I, I don't think people should panic. I don't think people should panic. If you're a Chelsea fan. I'm upset, but I'm not panicking. Because I'm realistic. MKT Inspires. At MKT Inspires on all social media. I'm on TikTok, by the way. I'm on the TikTok monster. Uh, do like, share, subscribe uh, if you like the show. Uh, otherwise, please do follow on TikTok. Or don't. Whatever. Do whatever you want to do. I I'm on TikTok. If you've got time... Follow me if you, you know, if you're like, oh, I, I don't want to, <laughs> everyone's too cool to be on TikTok, you know. I'm, I'm not dancing. What are people doing on there? They're just dancing. Well, okay, then you don't have to follow. I'm sorry, Ingrid. I'm sorry I asked you to subscribe. I'm sorry I asked you to, to be with us in 2023. You're allowed to enjoy your life. Or not, by the way. You're also allowed not to, <laughs> you're also allowed not to enjoy your life. At MKT inspires all right let's um let's talk man united uh they lost to man city huh? sure that was brutal yo 
Jeez, like, blimey. Man United lost uh, 3-0 at home, uh, at Old Trafford to Man City. Uh, Man United's record is as follows. Uh, played 10, won 5, lost 5. They're not in the drawing business. Uh, 15 points. They are 8th currently after 10 games. Uh, at home, they've played 6, won 3, lost 3, 9 points. So they'd be 8th away from home. Right? Away from home. They're a bit different to Chelsea. Away from home. Played 4, won 2, lost 2, and 6 points. So the reason Chelsea aren't as good at Stamford Bridge is there's expectations there. And the young guys are crumbling under that. Away from home, they, they can play a little freer, right? And people aren't packing the box. Man United, on the other hand, are, are better at home. But I'll tell you why it makes sense. Because they've got a slightly older squad. So these older guys can handle that expectation and, and the comforts of home. And, and the older we are in life, the more we like the, the comforts of home. But I also want to keep it real. Listen, since Sir Alex Ferguson left, here are the seasons, the 10 seasons that Man United have had. So, so Man United fans, I presume, are upset. Right? All disappointment is directly correlated to expectation. I presume you're upset. I, I don't know for a fact. But I presume Man United fans are upset. They lost 3-0 at home to their rivals. But here's the 10 seasons since Sir Alex Ferguson left in 2012-2013. Won the title. So this has been the seasons. 7th, 4th, 5th, 6th, 2nd, 6th, 3rd, 2nd, 6th, 3rd. So your, your average in the last decade is Man United being the 5th best team. I don't make the news, I just report the news. The average over the last decade, the 10 seasons, the last 10 seasons, on average, Man United are the fifth best team. Hmm. Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool, and Spurs above it in that, in that decade. Now what you've got to account for is Newcastle are the richest team in the world. Aston Villa are wealthy and have recruited. The, they're in the development phase. With Unai Emre. I know they can upgrade for Unai Emre. And they can upgrade on the signings. If new, if Aston Villa make the Champions League. You must remember that's not a muck around team. They're not Man City with no history. People want to live in Birmingham by the way. That's the second city in London. Or, or, or in England sorry. People want to live in Birmingham. It's an incredible city. It's like London without the noise. Birmingham's an incredible city. People want to live in Birmingham. And Villa are a big side two-time uh, Champions League winners. So that, that's not a muck-around club. That, that's not Man City with Sheikh Mansour where you're going to have to bring Robinho. They're not going to be playing that. Aston Villa are a real club. They're a proper club and people will want to play for Aston Villa. Trust me. Nobody really wants to live in Manchester. It was just that Fergie could get people to live there. You, you know what helps? Winning. If Aston Villa make the Champions League this, league, uh, this year, it's problems. It's tickets, as we say in South Africa. And Newcastle are Newcastle. Fire Eddie Howe. I don't know what they do. So let's just keep it real for a second. Like, uh, you know, in the youth are you thing, they say, bro, I keeps it real, dog. So, so let's keep it real, y'all. Eric Ten Hag said the following. He's happy and he's waiting for injuries to come back um, 
he feels the team will be better. Um, I've sort of summarized what he was saying. Uh, he says the spirit in the team's good and he's happy and he's waiting for the injured guys to come back. They'll be better, quote unquote. Um, I want to look at who's injured and whether that's just malarkey because I think it's nonsense. Uh, Martinez, it's a second massive injury at United. Uh, it's his metatarsal the first time. He missed 12 games and it's foot injury now he's missed eight games so far, by the way. And he, he's not coming back anytime soon. He's been at Man United for, le- for a year. Just over. He's been injured twice already. Massive. Last year missed 12 games. He's missed eight this season already. He missed a third of the season last season, basically. A third. You, got, you can't miss a third of the season, guys. And tell me you're reliable. And he's already going to miss at least eight games this season. And he's also like, uh, likely to get suspensions. So that's the first person who's injured. Rafael Varane, I've told you, Real Madrid don't let go of players. When Real Madrid sell a player, they know something's wrong. Rafael Varane was injury prone in Spain. Rafael Varane was injury prone as a youngster in France. I don't know why people thought he wouldn't be here. Listen to this. In two seasons, Rafael Varane has missed 38 games in the two seasons that he's been at Man United. So you've written off one season of the two. So that means half the time you don't have your sort of leader and captain, quote unquote, at the back. I don't know why they bought him. Like, why are people surprised? I Are people not watching La Liga? Do they not have the... So, uh, listen, I got all of these injury stats from Transfer Market. Are you not watching what I'm watching? Like, I saw Varane not playing at Real Madrid. And then I said, oh, they're going to sell him. And then Man United, what are we doing? What are we doing? He's missed 50% of the games. And it's not a surprise. He was doing that at Real Madrid in a slower, less competitive, warm league. So, you, you, like, what are we doing? You can't pretend. Again, I've always said this. You can't meet a girl at a nightclub and then be upset six months into dating her that she's a wild child. That's on you. If you're a Man United fan, if you're a Man United sort of recruiter and staff, you should be upset at yourself. Listen to the information. The data's there for all of us. He's been injury prone since he was 19. This is not new. He's never played more than 32 games in a league season, by the way. In Spain, where Real Madrid walk for 90% of the season. He's been out 38 games. He's only been here for two years. Like I told you, my biggest problem with Rafael Ferran was when he came, he didn't wear a tailored suit. I knew then. I was like, Brew, what are we doing? You're one of the richest people in the world. Why can't you just meet an Italian oak and get this thing shaped up like I had on France 24 for the Rugby World Cup final? I knew then. I knew then this guy would be no good. And that's 38 games and counting, by the way, because he's still not back. We're at the beginning of the third season. He's missed half of the games that he's been at the club for. It's incredible. And then Luke Shaw is the other one, right? I, I looked into Luke Shaw's numbers, and it's, it's just astonishing to me. So Luke Shaw, you, we all have to acknowledge. And this is purely, it's not aesthetics, right? I'm not 
like into the shaming thing. I've been known as a fat shamer, but I'm not shaming now. I'm just talking about what it is. He's never in shape. It's weird, man. He always looks doughy, right? I'm like, bro, you play wing back in the modern day. And, and the thing is with Luke Shaw, when he's playing, he's up and down as well. It's not like he's a lazy player. But I've read the story that he, he, he leaves and gets uh, Big Macs, right? Like that's written. You, you can Google that about him leaving practice and going to get Big Macs. But you, you can see it. The guy is never in like beast-like shape. You look at Cancelo. You look at Kanji. You know, you look at Ashley Cole. You know, you look at Zinchenko. You look at uh, Kyle Walker. You can see like these guys are wingbacks. It's going off. But Luke Shaw's always looked overweight. I don't understand it. And he doesn't even look powerful. He just looks overweight. I, I mean, I, I just don't know what to tell you. But when I looked at the numbers, is in nine full seasons, so 342 games, Luke Shaw has missed 206 of 342 games. That's 60% of the games. Those are your three big players to come back. One guy in Martinez who's just been injured since he got to Man United. He arrived sort of injured, played, got injured, missed a third of the season. He's going to miss at least a third of the season this season. Rafael Varane, who's always been injury prone, carried by Sergio Ramos, to be completely honest. Uh, uh, Let's not get into it. But, and Gola Conte and uh, Blaise Matuidi protected him for the World Cup. But, okay, we don't want to start getting to But Luke Shaw is the egregious one. Of 342 games, I want to say it again, he's missed 206 in his entire Man United career. That's 60% of the games. This guy's only available 40% of the time. What are we talking about here? So, these three guys you just can't rely on to be healthy, guys. The most, listen, if you've got a girlfriend, you've got a boyfriend, what is the most important ability? And you know this. Availability is the most important ability. Everything else is noise. Everyone's talented at that level. Oh, bro, he'd be a good player if if he could only stay fit. Well, availability is the most important ability. Staying fit is an ability, by the way. Like dribbling. Like staying healthy is an ability. Like, you know, Cassandra or Steven or Skumbuzo down the road, they are just always sick, right? Like, if you're a boss at work, I'm sure you've got some people, like, she's always calling in. He's always calling in on a Monday morning. Just, it's always something, right? Like, availability is an ability, by the way. Health is an ability. Like, pace, strength. (laughs) Being available is the most important ability. Casemiro is the other one, but he's been suspended three times already, and he's 31 now with the major injury he's got. Sancho's hysterical. That was always going to be hysterical. He's whatever. I, I, I warned you when Man United signed him uh, that he'd be a problem. He was a problem at, at um, Dortmund. He clearly doesn't have a watch. Apparently, he was late there as well. And he, he, Listen, I want nothing to do with Jadon Sancho-type players in the modern era. He, there, were, there, there was a place for Gascoigne and these types of glory boys in the 90s. The game's too professional now. There's too much on the line. You're an asset now. You're an asset now. It's why I had no time for Gareth Bale at the end. Like, if your mind's not in it, if this, if football's not the only thing for you, go play for Aston Villa and lower. Go play at Everton. Because at this level, you're playing at Chelsea, at Man City, at Man United, at, at Liverpool. Football is the only thing that your life must be about. 
you, you, it can't be a, a like like for for Jane Sancho. He tries to be too cool, and it's like his thing on the side. And there's just there's no intensity there. I like a bit of intensity. None of these people are reliable. So what is Eric Ten Hag talk, talking about? They'll be better when they're back. You have no assurances that Varane. In fact, I have assurances. I'm more assured that Rafael Varane will get injured again this season. He will get injured again. Martinez will get injured again. And Luke Shaw's missed 60% of the games. He's going to get injured again. So I'm more certain of all three of those guys getting injured or suspended again this year and Casemiro getting suspended again this year. What is Eric Ten Hag actually talking about? Because I've defended Eric Ten Hag, by the way. And, and I, do th- I don't think he should, they should sack him. I think he's laying a good foundation and they should let him get rid of the ugly stuff like Arteta did. But you can't say that. You, you can't fool us anymore. Like, we watch now. We've got data now. We're not idiots. As Man United fans, that's not really what should concern you. It's not the injuries. What should concern you is the age of your team because the team as it is now is five years away from getting from being competitive. Not, not, you won't win the title in the next five years. Forget it. They are five years away now from being competitive. But here's what should worry you. Onana's 27, Maguire's 30, Lindelof's 29, McTominay's 26, Amrabat's 27, Fernandez is 29, Eriksen's 31, and Marcus Rashford is, is 26. And injury prone. Casemiro's 31, Varane's 30 going on 50, Martial's 27 going on 60, and Anthony's 23 and has character issues. That's where most of the money is in the in the Man United team. Who wants any of those guys? Who's going to buy Casemiro? Who's going to buy Rafael Varane? We're, we're watching now. We're like, no. I mean, he's, he's a legend maybe in France at Real Madrid, but no. He's never available. Martial. Who's going to take Anthony Martial? Anthony Martial's still only 27, by the way. World record teenage signing. <laughs> That's been a hysterical career, hasn't it? I mean, he just missed a wheelchair. So the reason that uh, average age should worry you is the core of that team. So the bulk of those guys, when you are competitive in five years, are going to be well into their 30s. So the amount of turnover you're going to have to have in the next five years just to get competitive should scare you. And now Aston Villa have got the jump on you. Chelsea have got the jump on you because they've taken all the young talent, right? Man City will always be Man City. They've got Haaland now. They, They went and got Doku now. They've got Foden now. They've got all the young talent. Uh, Guardiol, he's at Man City now. Who are you going to buy to be competitive? Because now Newcastle, now you can't bully Newcastle. You're not going to bully Arsenal. Arsenal have taken the young talent as well. They've got Fabio Vieira. They've got Urien Timber. There's only so much elite young talent. What are United going to do in the next five years? That's what should worry Man United. What should worry Man United is that consistently you've invested badly and it's now starting to cost you and you're five years away from being competitive and your core of your team's 28. See, Man City are average age 29, but they are at their peak now. They're humming. Man United haven't even gotten started and their average age is like Man City's. So what are you going to do for the next five years? Because we're all watching Jadon Sancho. No one wants to pay for that. Anthony, nobody... We live in a in a PR world now. Nobody wants that at their club. Nobody wants Luke Shaw. No one's signing Rafael Varane. And Martinez is getting concerning. You should be concerned. 
Who wants Maguire? Who wants Lindelof? Who wants McTominay? Who wants Eriksen? Marcus Rashford is a big concern. I don't know what's happened to him. I mean, you know what's scary about Marcus Rashford? If you're a United fan? He hasn't developed since he was 19. Marcus Rashford's own... He's one of the most selfish players I've ever seen. And so is Mo Salah. But you can't compare the two. I don't mind if you're selfish, but be Mo Salah then. Then I expect 25 goals a season. But Marcus Rashford's only move is cut inside and shoot. He doesn't pass. He doesn't slow the game down. Literally, he, he can only run forward and cut inside and shoot. I'd love to hear from Man United fans. What does Marcus Rashford actually do? And here's the one that absolutely drives me insane. Firstly, why did you pay him £300,000 a week? I get the PR commercial side. He's a monster in terms of the PR work. But the problem now is Marcus Rashford has never dropped. Let me tell you something about men. When you pay men, you affirm their behavior. I'm not going to comment on women. When you pay men, you, you affirm their behavior. Marcus Rashford will never drop again. And, and Man United fans are going, oh, but he doesn't drop. Yes, you paid him. So you said, you know what? Your behavior is okay up to here. Ladies, I'm not going to speak for you. But as men, let me tell you something. When you pay men, you are affirming their behavior. You told Marcus Rashford by paying him. Men link their value, right? And they, you affirm them through financial reward. Trust me, I'm, I'm a dude. I know how it works. And I know there's these PC guys, so we call them simps, who go, oh, but no, not all men are like that. We're enlightened. Please, do me a favor. K- keep it moving. Whatever. Men want to be affirmed and be the king of the castle. Marcus Rashford now is a problem because he's really, he's not good enough to be in the Brighton team and you're paying him like a Man United captain. And he's terrible. And he's been terrible for 18 months. And... He hasn't developed since he was 19. That should worry you as an individual. Like, Phil Foden now is a different player from when I saw him at 19. Jack Grealish now is a different player from even three years ago. Kyle Walker now is unrecognizable from his time at Tottenham. What's happened to Marcus Rashford? He's way behind. And he's 26 now. Like, he's not a wonder kid anymore. He should now be stepping into his prime. Marcus Rashford doesn't get into the Aston Villa team. He doesn't. He, 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 he's not in the top eight teams in the league. That's what should worry Man United. That's what should worry you. Because you know, you know what the problem for, for you now as United fans? So it might be funny to laugh at Chelsea, but at least they've addressed it. They've torn it all down and said, look, we understand that we need to build beyond City. No one's going to beat Man City. But when Man City, the dynasty ends, Chelsea want to be first in line for when that dynasty falls, we step in. They went and acquired the best talent from around the world. They're going to set some culture, set up some structures around it and go and win in three, four years time. That's the plan. It's what it looks like at Chelsea. What's the plan at United? What's the plan to catch Aston Villa, Spurs, and Newcastle? Just those three teams. Forget about City and Liverpool. Like, they're they're gone. Forget it. What is Man United's plan in the next, let's just say three years, to catch Villa, Spurs, and Newcastle? Because old people get older. Rafael Varane's going to keep getting injured. Luke Shaw is 60% of the time. 
We are who we are. And the other thing, ask Chelsea. I'm a Chelsea fan. New owners aren't an immediate fix. Man City's owners took Man City's owners are the best owners in the history of sport. They took three years to win a title. That's with great owners, the creme de la creme. Roman took two years. Man United are five years away. Five years away from competing. So here's what I might say. All disappointment is directly correlated with expectation. As Man United fans, stop acting shocked. You're Liverpool and Spurs of the 90s and noughties now. It's been a decade now. Like, you, this is what you are now. Don't ever confuse Manchester United with Fergie's United. Fergie was a blip. He wasn't the truth. Stop acting shocked. We're grown-ups now. You should expect to win, but you must adjust your expectations. There is no right to win in this league. It's the greatest league in the world. It's the greatest sports league in the world across all sport. It is the most competitive, fiercely comp- uh, competitive league in the world. Man United think that just their name is enough to get them in the door. You're now the fifth best club in England. Not because I want to say that, because the numbers bear that out over a decade. What Man United fans need to do is keep it real. At best, you're the fifth best club in, in, in England. And at best, you're five years away from competing. Stopping shocked when you get hammered by City. You are now what Arsenal have been for 20 years. You are Liverpool in the 90s and the noughties. You are Spurs in the 90s and the noughties. A big name on paper, but an also ran on the football pitch. Love to hear your thoughts. At MKT Inspires. As a Man United fan, what's gone wrong? Should they fire Ten Hag? Drop me an email, mkt at the mktshow.com. What's, is it the players? Is it the recruiting? How big is the Glazer issue? Because I, I hear a lot about the Glazers. Um, is the club badly run? So does that mean even if Pep Guardiola came in, he couldn't do anything? Because, you know, in the past, the man was first. In the, in the future, the system must be first is what has been said. If you're a Manchester United fan, or just a football fan, what is the problem at Manchester United? And it's been a, there is a problem now, because it's been a decade. We're not just looking at Manchester United against Man City. It's been a decade of being the fifth best club in, in England, on average. And that's what we all are, right? I say to people all the time, this is how I approach my life. So I, I'm really, my life is sales. Because for me, as a freelancer, I have to pitch for work. And th- this has been one of the best years financially of my life. Um, but, but I'm not going to count this as who I am. right? And I don't count the worst year. So what I always say is, take out your best year, take out your worst year. Because you're, you're neither of those things. Human beings are not their best, they're not their worst. Everything else, the median, right? everything else is what you are. You average out the rest. That's what you are. Take out your best year, take out your worst year. So take out Man United's best year, worst year, average out the rest. That's what they are. 10 years is incredible data. It is incredible data. And Man United over 10 years are the fifth best team. What is the problem? At MKT Inspires, MKT 
at the MKT show. All right, let's finish off with a little something called The Mailbag. You know what? I decide I'm going to read it. Go, go check out this guy. Uh, good old Tartu. Let me, let, let me look at Tartu's profile. Yeah, I, th- I think this guy's a model, hey? I think Tartu's had a question on the show before, but uh, he's uh, Benzo underscore JNR. So B-E-N-Z-O down dash J-N-R. So, yeah, yeah, listen. I'm comfortable enough with my sexuality. I got to say, yeah, yeah. I think uh, Tartu, Sato, has old, um, has definitely, he's a marketing graduate. He, he likes Man United and the Lakers. So he, you know what, he's, he's international. Go follow him on Instagram. Uh, ladies, if you'd like to, a bit of eye candy, or guys, by the way, it's 2023. If you'd like a bit of eye candy, I'd say, it looks to me like he's a model. He's managed uh, by, a, yes, there's a crown and he's a model. So he, he's a king model, I guess, or, or prince model, I don't know. Probably one, probably that crown means. I'm looking at uh, Benzo Jr., B-E-N-Z-O, down dash or underscore, if you are from the Oxford part of the world. Benzo JNR. Go follow him on the socials. He's one of our big fans. He's a marketing grad as well. So he's not just eye candy. The, the, man, the man's got brains. He's a graduate. You know what I mean? Stop mucking around. Listen, he's, he's done some big stuff here. No, no free ads, but he's done Mr. Price. It's a massive company in, in the Republic of South Africa. Uh, he's, the, uh, you know, there's, uh, I'm just looking at the highlight bubbles on, on Benzo here. You've you got to big up uh, the listeners. YFM, you know, that's a massive station, uh, the, the heart of Soweto, um, one of the biggest stations in Africa, radio stations. DSTV Delicious, he's in the mix there. Uh, Mr. Price collab with Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola, maybe you heard of them. So maybe Benzo's looking, you know what, the guy's a young model. Uh, who am I to tell him what to do? But dude, if I looked like you, he's a handsome bastard. If I looked like you and I was a model, he, and he's clearly doing it, I mean, you can see his profile. I wouldn't have a girlfriend. Now, I don't know. Maybe, Benzo, I don't want to start stepping on your toes. Maybe that's not your thing. I'm just presuming you're into ladies. But, but maybe you're not into ladies. And, and please forgive me. I'm just a, I'm an idiot who is into the ladies. If I was you, there's no way. If I, if I looked like that, I've always said with my ego, I'm flipping delighted that I'm, I'm not good looking, hey? Because I, I can't imagine what, what kind of a bastard I'd be. Oh, my word. I'd be terrible. If, if I was good looking, the world would be in trouble. With my ego and the way I, I think of myself, if I look like uh, old uh, Tatu here, oh, I'd be deplor- deplorable. But Tato seems like a nice guy. Go and follow him, Benzo underscore JNR. No nudes in his... Um... Oh, by the way, I want to thank everybody for stopping with the nudes. I, I've gotten far less nudes. I'm still getting nudes, but I delete them immediately. I would imagine Tato, uh, uh, who's at Benzo, B-E-N-Z-O underscore JNR for junior, um... I'd imagine if he looks like that, he's probably getting a lot of nudes in his DMs. I, I think <laughs> I think he's getting a lot of nudes. All right, let's get to his question. I don't know why we're talking about nudes. I don't even know Tato. He's one of our listeners. Okay, Thartu says, Hi, MKT. I uh, want to say you were right. You were right about Libok and you warned us, but we thought you just don't like the guy. But look, I'm apologizing on behalf of South Africa. You were right. But I feel that Kubis, um so this was bef- this was after the semi-final, obviously, when uh, Libok had taken off. But I feel that Kourbis should be benched. He is too slow on the breakdown. And Vilimsa, I just don't want to speak about uh, about that guy. He just makes me angry. Do you think st- um, starting slow and hoping the subs will make the difference will work against the All Blacks? 
or should I just refer to them as New Zealand because this is not the All Blacks? Quite right at the end there. If you haven't heard, I've said this is not the All Blacks. This is the New Zealand international men's rugby team because the All Blacks, you've got to have what we call in South Africa, stapuras. There's no stapuras in this team, in this New Zealand team. Nah, guys. Yo, New Zealand used to be ahead of Kevin Muir. From the front row to fullback, man. There was Kevin Muir, Lamu. There were all those Woodlock brothers. Chris Jack. Yo, 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 yo. Then Retallick came. Ali Williams. Jerry Collins. Rodney Sooyalo. Then Aaron Smith came. Then that Daniel Carter. Yo, yo, yo. Then they had Ma'o Nonu when he matured and started playing inside center. Then it was um, Conrad Smith, Joe Rockathoko. Then they had Julian Savea for like 15 minutes before he started boozing. Yo, yo. Then remember they had Nehe Milner Scudder at a stage for like 12 seconds? And then I, I say, you know when New Zealand are at their best? There's two positions where New Zealand need to get it right. Sometimes you just need a white guy. You just need a white guy. You, you know the accountant-looking white guy who just wears a sweater that looks like it's 15 years old and he's probably a billionaire, but he's not. He's like Bill Gates, you know? <laughs> when they had Ben Smith, right, and Conrad Smith at 13 and 15, when New Zealand have just a white guy in that position, just a guy where you go, okay, that's just... I mean, listen to their names. Ben Smith. That, looks like, that sounds like a joke name. Yo, yo, yo. That's when they were the All Blacks. Conrad Smith. Yay, 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 yay. Then that Sivivatu at a stage. Yo, 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 yo. Milner Scudder, guys, in that 2015 World Cup. <whistles> they were the All Blacks. Those guys. Yo, yo, terrorism, guys. From 11 to 15. 2011. Or let's even say... From 2009 to 2015. Richie McCaw now. I, I've even forgotten about him. Kieran Reid. Oh my goodness. How do I forget about the greatest number eight to ever play the game? Rolls Royce, guys. Yo! Kieran Reid from 2012 to 2015. <laughs> Listen, I love Dwayne Vermeulen, but yo, 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 yo. Kieran Reid, 12 to 15, guys. From 2012 to 2015, he was playing... It was un- unruly what he was doing. It was completely and utterly unnecessary what that guy was doing on a rugby field. That's when they were the All Blacks. Now it's the New Zealand international rugby team. So I taught you I'll say this, man. I've got nothing personal against Marnie Leibok. But I know lots of successful people, bro. And they're all about modeling your life. I don't mean being a model like you taught you. Obviously, we're not all good looking enough to be paid for how we look. Um, and I'm a bit resentful. Like, I don't want to leave... The, I, I don't want to hide that inside. Talk to you. I'm very resentful of you, bro. I, I'm resentful. Listen, good-looking people are good for us because they are a mirror into our, into our insecurities. I genuinely believe that. There's, there's nothing better for me at a social gathering when an incredibly wom- uh, good-looking woman walks in. It makes everyone uncomfortable. And I would imagine Tartu makes other guys uncomfortable because... Guys become very uncertain around other good-looking guys, especially like because because they change the temperature of the room, right? I, I heard a, a, a beautiful analogy for this um, last night. Was 
with guys we, we we go into alpha mode so our chest kind of puffs out and we and our voice goes deeper when a good looking lady comes with us even if we're with our own lady we don't even notice it right it's primal so tato i am a little bit resentful of you but i want to say this bro the successful people are trying to teach me and my thick skull and trying to get it through my thick skull that you've got to model your life you've got to you've got to play to the rule not the exception and I understand why Mani Libok to people watching URC, it looks exciting because Springbok Rugby has been so boring for so long. But unfortunately, the talent level at Test Rugby and URC is the gap between Table Mountain and Mount Everest. So everyone's talented. So what you need is somebody to put the pack on the front foot. Mani Libok can only play the distribution game. And I was at the semifinal. His up and under is terrible. And it's not his natural game. He wants to play flat. So what that means is in the helter-skelter, he actually wants to get involved. I was watching him intently. And the moment got too big for him. He was dropping the ball. It was, you know, and because England were defending well, and that's when you need a cool head to go, oh, okay, six phases in, it's not working. I'm not going to keep throwing it wide. I'm going to kick it in the corner. I'm going to kick it up. And you also mustn't just kick. You've got to kick accurately under extreme pressure with backward ball, back foot ball, and it's wet. So my issue with Lubok is he's a URC player. He's not an international rugby player. Not when the moment comes. And as uh, Tatu is saying, I mean, Tatu is a Coca-Cola model. So if you're going to argue, go argue with Tatu. I mean, he's a high-level guy. But I've said this for months. And as he's saying, people thought I hated Mon Lubok. I didn't hate him. I just know that you have to have Daniel Carter, Johnny Wilkinson, and... Pollard to win World Cups, especially in the Northern Hemisphere. It's important to say that. Especially in the Northern Hemisphere. Daniel Carter, in his era, by the way, the All Blacks kicked more than any rugby team, even now they're the, the Bok team. Under Daniel Carter's reign, the All Blacks used to kick the ball more than any team in the world, in the history of rugby statistically, in the professional era. This idea that he was some playmaker is a lie. Daniel Carter was a territorial maestro. He would kick it over your head. And before you knew it, Richie McCall was there now cheating at the breakdown. And it's turnover now somehow. Because the ref doesn't even know the rules. McCall's bent the rules so much. Pollard is the complete test. Test. That's important to hear. Because in test rugby, you mustn't pick your best players. You must pick the best team. Mani Libok. Is a, is, a better, is a better talent as a ball runner, has a little bit more vision in terms of distributing. But that's all he's got. He's got nothing else. He cannot place kick and he cannot... His tactical kicking game is actually the worst part of his game. I watched it. I saw it live at the semifinal against England. And they knew that, by the way. He was awful. And then after 33 minutes, Pollard came on. The game changed. I don't want a playmaking fly half in international rugby. That's not how you win. You know what I want in my fly half? I want him to be the best decision maker. Don't do the most exciting thing. It's not URC. Because at that level you get punished. And we nearly lost. And I said, listen, I said exactly, Tato was telling you guys, I said exactly what would happen. I said when the moment came, it would get too big for, for Libok. And I, I don't take pleasure in being right about that. But I've just watched international sport for too long. 
And I said, I would rather lose with Pollard, right, than lose with Leibok. Because with Leibok, I know I'm going to lose. But with Pollard, I know you're giving me a chance in all conditions. Guys, he's the greatest fly half and he will never get the credit because he's not flashy. He's married. He's boring. And I understand nowadays, you've got to be on social media being the mandem and skip passes. That's nice in URC where 90% of the rosters are URC level. I don't hate Marnie Leibok. I just know what I'm watching. I just know what I'm watching. And uh, Totti, you and I disagree. I saw Damien Phillips alive. I thought he was he was unbelievable. Even against England, there was that one pass he threw in the 22. But, but everyone makes mistakes. Guys, there is no perfect. Ben Smith made mistakes. Christian Cullen made mistakes. Joe Roth made mistakes. Jason Robinson made mistakes. You know? Lee Halfpenny made mistakes. These are all-timers. Everybody makes mistakes. But can you be consistent? And that's what's important about a fly-off. And you know what else is important about guys who, who play to a template and don't just throw it wide and, and try and be exciting? Is then the whole team knows what it's, uh, where you're going. And with the spring box, you can't actually have Marnie Leibok. You know why. And, and I know people say he won so many tests. L- listen, don't, don't be Ireland. Don't be France. Don't be England. I, I don't care what you do outside of the World Cup. When it's time, I need somebody who I know I can rely on. With the way the Springboks play, we've got such massive men. I don't want my pack not moving with efficiency. Right? With big people, is they must be moving the least. And you know how you do that? You need, they need to know exactly where the ball's going in three phases. With Leibok, you don't because he plays on instinct. I don't want to see your instincts at fly-off. I want to see that at wing, at fullback, at outside center. But at fly-off, you need to make the best decisions for the team, not for yourself. I don't care about exciting. High school rugby, curry cup rugby, URC rugby, that's for exciting. But at the top level, you know what it's about in life. And it's why not everybody can be an investment banker. It's about winning. And winning needs you to put your ego away. Marnie Liebock, I like him. He can't put his ego away because he wants to entertain. Sorry, doesn't work. The French want to play champagne. Go ahead, all day. Please, DuPont, I, I'm, I love it. Please. But the talent and athleticism is too good when you, get, when you start playing us and you start playing New Zealand and you start playing Ireland when they're humming. It's too good. The talent level at international rugby is too good to muck about. Not personal money, Leibok. I just care about the rugby. It's just rugby. It's just about the rugby. So, Tatu, I accept your apology. South Africa, I accept your apology. My God, it's, it's going to be a two-hour show. What a doozy. I'm in Paris. Listen, I'm going to Lyon this week. So, I'll either be doing this from a road trip somewhere between Paris and Lyon. I'll be spending next weekend in Lyon. And then I will be back in South Africa with an asterisk on the 8th of November. We shall see, though. We shall see. Plan is to be back 8th November. Uh, get back roll, rocking and rolling. But we will be back. The podcast will be back. Um, we're back rolling two times a week now. Um, so Mondays and Thursdays, there will be a pod. So you'll be back on Thursday from Paris. My name is MKT. This has been The MKT Show. And for now, I am the hell out of here.